0: in a minute point and click radio good evening everyone and welcome to another edition of point and click radio i'm bob lawton
1: i'm jim hyde and we are the bi-weekly computer show here on kzyx the place where we bring you the latest computer and internet news and answer your computer questions and it's worth mentioning that the KZYX on-air pledge drive ended this past Monday night, a couple of days ago, um, reaching a total of $85,000, um, thanks to the generosity of over 700 people who donated to the station. Now, the fall fund, fu- fundraising goal for this year is $100,000, so we didn't quite reach it during last week's drive. We're still taking donations toward that goal because it's important to meet our operating budget. If you haven't had a chance to donate, and this is not a pledge show, but we'll mention it now, you can still contribute to the pledge drive by going to kzyx.org or sending a check to P.O. Box 1, Philo, 95466. That's 95466. Those thank you gifts are still available. And there is a really cool way to donate with your smartphone that um, that we actually tried out here at home uh, the other day. Um, You can text KZYX to this number, 44321, 44321, and you'll get a link back, and you can even, if you're using an iPhone and you've got it set up for the Apple Pay um, platform, you can even make your donation using Apple Pay. So text KZYZ to 44321, that's 44321.
0: Yeah, and thank you to everybody that supports the station. And I like that idea of donating by text, and I'm going to try that out. And I think what I'm going to start doing, because I think this would be a good idea, I think this would be actually be a good habit to get into, is if you hear a show on the station that really knocks your socks off, that, that just gives you a lot of good information or gives you an aha moment that you never would have gotten if you hadn't listened to KZYX, Um just whip out your smartphone and, you know, send them a tip. You know, the, the podcasts are asking people for donations. They have uh, Patreon or PayPal or things like that that you can uh, uh, support. Websites you go to where they give you freeware will sometimes, you know, have a little button that and- says, buy me a cup of coffee, you know. Right, right, right. So, if you hear a show on on KZYX, why not buy the uh, station a cup of coffee, you know? <laughs> it's, a, it's a tip chart. Yeah, yeah, the tip chart. But I like the... Uh, now, that's an easy number to remember because just think about the station, KZYX. That's the last three letters of the alphabet after K in reverse. And this is 44321 four, or 43? 44321. Four, 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 okay, 44321. And you text... K, the the letters KZWX to that number, right? Right, right.
1: And you get a you get a link right back. The um, usual text and data rates may apply. May apply. Uh, yeah. And uh, you'll get that link, and you can tap that link, and then if you're using a, if you're using an iPhone and Apple Pay, you can pay right there with Apple Pay. Um, if you're using something else, um, then you can use you can enter a credit card or whatever else uh, whatever else yeah, you may have.
0: So you know jim i've been i've been reflecting on this in in a way because this has been a slow slow creep from the days when everything online had to be free or or just forget about it you know right. to people actually realizing that um y- y- your choice is, is is to somehow support what you're interested in or then you become the product and you just get blitzed okay. with this horrible advertising and tracking and invasive yep. stuff and spyware, yep, all that stuff.
1: If you're not paying for the product, then you are the product. And see also Facebook and Google and Instagram and so many of the behemoths these days that are in the news. Um, they're making money on us as opposed to making money from us by, by supporting them through subscriptions like newspapers and magazines and, 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 and even cable TV provider, um, rely on. So, um. In a way, it's good to see a return. You know, and, and I've read before. And this is a little digression before we get into tonight's news, and then up, up, open up the phones, which we promise we will do tonight.
0: Yes, and we're going to have a technically perfect show tonight, as as far as yeah, we I... know. Fingers crossed. This is a still still a big experiment in remote broadcasting.
1: Yes, we should mention that Bob is in uh, is is in Ukiah, and I'm at home on the coast, coming to the station via. Uh, via Zoom and a really nice high-quality microphone and audio interface that makes it sound like we're in the same room together and we can see each other on Zoom. So Bob can even wave me off if I start talking too much. In August,
0: <laughs> um... not worrying about that. Oh, hey, and as then... long as as long as we're doing disclaimers, we should also go ahead and do the the uh, the king of disclaimers, which is that the opinions expressed on this show are not necessarily those uh, of the. Staff management or board of directors of KZYX or even your crazy uncle that comes at Thanksgiving, <laughs> they're just the expressions of, of the respective hosts. And we have to say that because this is a public affairs show and a call-in show, and you may hear opinions on here that you don't agree with. And they are not the opinions of the staff uh, management or board of directors of KZYX, but your, your good old radio hosts here. Because uh, we're going to talk a little bit about Facebook at some point, and that's getting... And to- how
1: very evil they are. Oh, now, well, that we, yes. now that we've issued that disclaimer, we can yeah, say that.
0: Yeah, say that, because <laughs> we're <laughs> disclaiming it. Anyway, you were saying about... Um,
1: well, I remember I, re- I read an article not long ago where um, some big you know publishers said the greatest mistake that they made in the mid-90s, when the World Wide Web really started taking off, was deciding we're going to make things free and go for eyeballs Just the more eyeballs we can get, the better. And that made it so, not only, it it made it incredibly difficult for them to make the move from that to what the whole world was used to before that where you had to subscribe to a newspaper or a magazine or a service of some kind Um, but it also gave birth to this whole idea of surveillance capitalism and the likes of google and facebook and instagram where they're free but they're mining all of our data and signing it and selling it for um, advertising and who knows what other purposes
0: well, you know, look at uh, the whole Cambridge Analytica scandal and the, and how it yeah. affected the political process. And it's it's probably still I mean, the thing about these um, these events are, are the uh, the culprits of doing this stuff are like chameleons. They get busted for one method. They just hire new programmers and figure out some other sneaky way. Yes, yeah. you know, to get what they want or to do what they want. And you were talking about, you know, if if you're not paying for it, you're 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 not the customer, you're the product. But a lot of times it's coming up that you're both paying for it and you're the product. You know, there's absolutely a lot of times where you're getting uh, you're you're buying something and they're still sucking data down and selling it. I mean, I guess every single smart TV made. Knows exactly what you're doing, whether you're home or not, what the temperature is (laughs) that you're keeping your house at, you know, how how noisy your dog is, how often you vacuum your carpets, (laughs) you know, (laughs) what you say to each other when you're watching one show as opposed to uh, another show if two people are watching and the whole thing, and it's just it's just so evil, and it's not regulated, and here we go again into disclaimer territory. Our government should really be doing something about that. Yeah. But they're not because there's. The
2: European
1: Union is many steps ahead of, of, of the US government in terms of regulation. I mean, things like GP, G, uh, G, what is it? JR, no. What is the Go- general protection? GDPR. There it is
0: That's it, GDPR, yes.
1: GDPR, the general data protection regulations that the European Union introduced a couple of years ago. And then the, um, the, the California Privacy Act, which actually was a big step forward, it's those two things that are responsible for so many of those little messages you see when you go to a website and say, this website uses um, uh, cookies for various purposes. Um, by using this website, you consent to these cookies, and then they'll often have a, a, a link that allows you to customize um, what kind of cu- cookies you accept. If you see those, That option that link take that extra time to click and look for an option that says do not sell my personal information if you see that option uh, turn that option on which is to say turn the personal information selling off Um, sometimes a lot of websites won't give you an easy way to do that they'll actually say like "To, to, to opt out of of tracking write a letter (laughs) to blah, blah. <laughs>
0: yeah, or or you click on the 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 link that says yes, uh, uh, I would like to uh, not have you track me, and it just re- it it, it uh, launches you onto another web page where you yeah. have to read all their spiel, and it takes you away from yep. the site that you're trying to actually read without having to uh, you know give away your life history or your secret Swiss bank account number or whatever it is they want <laughs> want from you.
1: Yes. That's your privacy tip of the day. Just remember to turn off. If you're thinking about it, if you if you if you cut the time um, when you're presented with one of those messages, take a second to just opt out to say no. Don't sell my personal information. Most of the other cookies that um, that the website will plant are, are are harmless. They're 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 cookies that. Allow you to go from one page to another while without losing your place, and that's important for things like shopping carts yes, and your yeah. banking information um, and your back, bank website and other other cookies that they they like performance management and analytics. Those are harmless. They're they're just using the the website is using those cookies to. Um, to measure how people use the website, what pages they go to, what links they click on the most. Um, they're not tying those to you. That isn't any personal information that is of use to them to sell to advertisers or whatnot. But it's the don't sell your my, my personal information cookies. Those are the ones that you want to reject if you can.
0: And Apple recently started with, what was it, with the uh, iOS 14 and the iPad OS 14, they started a do not track, or uh, it, it, it would automatically ask you if you wanted to allow an app to track you when you were not using it, I think, or something like that. I do not remember all the exact details, but um, apparently that cut into Facebook's bottom line by a considerable yes. amount. Yeah,
1: Google's too, and a lot of other websites too. Um, and and if you see that message, if you're using an Apple uh, mobile device, an iPhone or an iPad, and the latest OSs, and you see that little message that says, uh, you know, the the app is asking you to to uh, to track your activity even when you aren't using the app. Tap the little button that says it says something like "Ask app to not track" or something like that. Right. Uh, right. But, yeah, just say no. Don't be tracked if you can help it. No.
0: And um, the thing is uh, that the idea that an app like Facebook could be tracking your activity uh, either on a desktop, laptop, or mobile computing device is is kind of outrageous. You know, what right do they have to sniff around if you're not even using it? And the fact that they go to this extreme lengths to try to identify you as a consumer or something, you know, or, or, or whatever the target is, a voter, you know, uh, a protester, anything, you know, sure. all those things um, is it, really outrageous. And the idea that um, you could use the Facebook app and then quit it and somehow it would leave residual code floating around that, is doing things. Well, you know, we've talked about this before. There, there are algorithms that monitor the way you use your device, you know, your timing, how you move the mouse, where, where you park the mouse cursor when you're not using the mouse. That would be something that you might do on a regular basis. And if they can identify that, you know, down to the pixel on your monitor, they'll go, oh, that's Bob or, oh, that's Jim. I know because he parks his mouth, at the mouse cursor in the same place every time he goes to, you know, Amazon.com or. Or are
1: you, are they are they wiggle the mouse back and forth while a page is loading or while they're scrolling. Yeah. Are they scroll using the keyboard arrow keys instead of the mouse. There are all of these like little. Um, Kind of, I think they call it fingerprinting.
0: Yeah, it's uh, it's like a digital fingerprint.
1: It is a, it is it is like a digital fingerprint. The way you use your device is also a way that you can be tracked. So, um, and we didn't start this show with the intention of talking about privacy and, and tracking and all of that, but it just goes to show how pervasive it is in every aspect of our digital lives. That um, that it's worth that it's worth always kind of touching
0: on. I guess you, you, what you're saying is it's time to get to Apple <laughs> news, right?
1: Well, <laughs> it's, it's time to move on, yes. Yeah. We definitely, we, two weeks ago, we had technical issues yeah. that prevented us to, um, from taking calls, and we promised that next time we were going to take calls, so we we're going to do that. We're going to open up the phone soon. We're just going to hit a couple of high notes in the news world. Um, well, just last with-
0: Monday, Apple had a big deal event, and it was actually a bigger big deal event than they one had two two weeks ago. Two weeks ago, they just, what, um, introduced the iPad mini and what was it? Oh, and the new watch, I think. Yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah, Um, it's a pretty small. small.
1: And the new iPhones. The new iPhones. Oh, right.
0: How could I forget?
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, Well, this past uh, Tuesday, I guess that would be yesterday.
0: Monday. It was Monday. It was a rare Monday event.
1: Um, Apple introduced um, a greatly revamped MacBook Pro line. Uh, the first MacBook Pro computers to use the new Apple Silicon chips, and they are new Apple Silicon chips. They are enhanced versions of the uh, of the the M1 chip is what Apple called it. That is that they have built into the um, to the Mac Mini. Which has been out for a while, and also the um, the 13 inch MacBook, um, and both of those computers are they're amazing.
0: Well, they, they also are- put it in the newest Air and the new newest little right. iMac that they came out with.
1: That's right. Yeah, that's right. The uh, what is that? The 21 uh, inch um, iMac.
0: Well, the 21 inch actually grew to 24 because they skinnied down. The- I mean, it's almost like a giant iPad on a stand if you've seen one. You yeah. Know. Right. So, so the, new,
1: the new MacBook Pros use um, – Apple came out with two enhanced versions of the M1 chip, one called the M1 Pro and the M1 Max, not M-A-X, not M-A-C-S.
0: <laughs> Max Max. I think
1: a lot of people are going to end up calling it the MaxBook. Uh, <laughs> <laughs>
0: right.
1: And um, these are similar to the original M1 chip, which is still around and still built into all the computers that we just mentioned – but um, they are faster. They have more processor cores in them, which is basically more processors on a chip, um, and they have more memory and better graphics and more graphics memory in them. So they are just simply faster and better and in every way. And this is this whole new Apple Silicon um, technology is really different from the older Intel. Um, architectures that Apple has used for years and that basically the vast majority of the computer is on a single chip. The graphic circuitry, the memory, the processor with all those cores that we just mentioned. And in the world of sub-microscopic electronics, the more stuff you can put on one chip, the faster the computer will be because it's Physically smaller, it literally gets down to how much time it takes for electrons to get from one part of a chip or one part of a circuit board to another. Um, that's how that that's the the tiny scale that um, that, that that these devices are working at. Um, so, building all of that stuff into one case in one big giant. 10, 50, or a 50 billion. I think one of the new chips has 50 billion transistors. In it's it. some
0: un- inconceivable number.
1: It's a ridiculous number. Um, building all of that stuff into one little package makes the computer, helps contribute to um, the to the computer's speed.
0: So... Well, in the case of laptops, it also cuts down on the amount of electricity it uses and it cuts down on the amount of heat it generates. Right so these are all factors but the um i think it was last fall that apple debuted the first Macs, the uh you know the original not the original apple computer but the original graphic computer that apple came out with back in 1984 was the original macintosh and these are still you know these are these are the uh like uh, distant uh descendants of the original macintosh they still call them macintoshes and they're still mac computers and they are still sold in a range of of models from the kind that just ordinary casual users like students or people who just do you know web browsing uh you know write you know writing uh things in text and stuff like that to people that um you know use more advanced pro models the ones they came out with last fall were the entry level or basic user models and people have been waiting to see what's going to happen when they start to address their their professional line. And so, in a way, the the other shoe has dropped. The M1 was the first one that came out and got a lot of good reviews, and it had a lot of this new technology, which is not really new to Apple because they've been basically using versions of these chips from the very first iPhone. So they were developing these systems on a chip for for iphones and increasing the capability of the iphones has given them a lot of uh experience in building these systems on a chip now i just want to take a little quick sidebar if anybody if anybody out there listening has ever built their own computer if you went out into your garage or your basement or your workbench and ordered a hard drive and you know ram chips and fans and uh, graphics cards and all this stuff. Every one of these things is a separate component that gets plugged into a motherboard and it all sits there in different pieces. You know, and you're using 150 watts of electricity to power all this and the fan is keeping everything cool. And this is a basic computer. So what Jim was talking about earlier about putting the whole system on a chip means you don't do all these separate pieces. And so they don't have to spend time talking back and forth to each other And in a lot of cases, reduplicating operations, like you know the computer comes out with a result, it has to send all that data over the graphics card, which then brings it up onto the screen and things move around uh, in a sequence like that. Well, what um, the system on a chip does, and Apple's not the first one to come out with a system on a chip, but I believe they are the first ones to put them in desktop and especially professional level uh, laptop computers, don't you think?
1: Yeah, I think so. I think so. And yeah, the 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 new the new laptops. We'll just kind of go over the some of the basic st- uh, specs, and then we'll talk about something that's uh, a couple of nice changes that Apple made, where they actually listened to us customers and 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 gave us things that we had been asking for, or taking away things that we didn't like. Um, there are two models. There's a 14 inch screen. There's a 16 inch screen. Um, Both of them are available in a bunch of different configurations, which you can read about all on on Apple's website or at macworld.com or a million other places. Um, But both of them are available with either the Pro chip or the Max chip and with various amounts of memory. Uh, They range in price from $1,999 for the the least expensive model of the 14-inch screen version. All the way up to thirty-four, thirty-five hundred dollars for the maxed-out, most RAM, biggest storage, biggest processor, sixteen-inch screen version. So, nineteen hundred dollars up to thirty-five hundred dollars—a pretty big, pretty big, wide range—and it's all dependent on how fast a processor you get and how how much storage and all that good stuff. They're all at least as fast as even some of the fastest uh, Mac desktop machines. I mean, these are laptops that are completely capable of doing digital audio recording or digital video editing or 3D rendering and animation and all that stuff. All of them will connect to big, gigantic monitors. Um, They've got Thunderbolt ports for storage and all that good stuff. Um, They're not only laptops with incredible battery life, but they're also majorly powerful computers in their own
0: right well they can also this is the thing that amazed me because i think they covered it in the um, presentation they did on monday Um, you can put like two or three or however many huge monitors on just with the way the laptop comes out of the box you don't have to buy extra cards that you put in cages or something or adapters or anything you just as as many places you as you have holes to plug things in ports to plug things in you can run those many monitors you know and because they they really did the right thing by building all that capability into the chip to begin with you know and these different um versions of the newer m1 processor just simply have more power more cores more uh video graphics memory all those kinds of things that that take it from just being something somebody would do writing or emailing or browsing on all the way up to somebody editing you know eight channels of 4k you know hollywood quality video editing those kinds of things right and it's it's just amazing how they've done that
1: a few other noteworthy things. Both the uh, both of the computers have a new display technology, um, or at least uh, new for Apple's laptops. If you've seen the big iPad Pro, the biggest 12.9 inch iPad Pro, um, it uses a, a backlighting technology called Mini LED and um, basically gives you better image contrast. Greater dynamic range, broader range between the brightest parts of the screen and the darkest parts of an image. Um, it's a better screen, in essence, and uh, those are um, built into the to the new laptops. Um, so that's very cool. It's again really great for photographers and people who are doing you know a digital imaging um, right on the laptop screen, um, video editing, color correction, 3D rendering, and things like that. Um, the ports are pretty interesting. Um, Apple has given us back a memory card slot.
0: Yeah, what a, what a concept.
1: And this is something, again, people shooting video, people shooting digital photos, a lot of photographers and videographers, part of the market for these particular laptops have the need when they're out in the field to take a card out of their video camera or their digital SLR, their digital camera, and transfer images over to the computer. For the last couple of generations of Apple laptops, you haven't been able to do that because Apple took the card slot away. And so you'd have to pack a a separate card reader or connect it your camera with a cable and, and all of that. And it's, it, was a, it was an inconvenience for professionals who are working with these kinds of media out in the field. Well, the new laptops have the card slot back. Yay. Yay. And something that is missing that I don't think anybody is going to miss is the touch
0: bar. Oh, <laughs> yes, exactly. The touch bar.
1: Last couple of generations of, of uh, MacBooks Uh, MacBook Pros had that touch bar across the top of the uh, uh, keyboard, which instead of those function keys, you know, above your 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 0 keys, um, there was a little tiny screen, a little strip that would change depending on what app you were using. And Apple seemed to think it was a good idea. And I bet about eight People actually really use it on a regular basis.
0: Well, it seemed um, it seemed to have some potential. I mean, if you were doing things like audio work, where you could use it as a as a, a pot slider, you know, a a or, or you know a brightness control. If you're working in Photoshop to adjust brightness, it's a lot more intuitive to have something you can just drag your finger along gently than to have to reach for a mouse, and certainly not reach for the keyboard because you know you you're limited to uh, finite. Uh, increments from a keyboard you know you can't you don't have the continuous change so i think i think they had a good idea there but i think the way they just threw it out wholesale and the the final straw was when they they ditched the actual physical escape key for a virtual escape key on the touch bar but they brought it back in spades
1: (laughs) yes yes so the 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 touch bar is no more um, and now the keyboard is actually a normal keyboard, like uh, like uh, like laptops used to have, <laughs> and that and that Apple uh, you know desktop keyboards
0: have. But so, instead instead of those little chiclet function keys, they have full size right? function keys on the new on the new laptops. That you know they're equal citizens to the uh, to the regular you know alphabetical keys and number keys you know they didn't re- even stint on them so it's more like they you would have on a regular uh standalone computer keyboard where all the key, key caps are the same size it's that way on the laptop now Right. right. so they listen to somebody
1: exactly uh, the new laptops have a, um, a, a, high definition camera built into the front of them. The FaceTime camera that everyone is using for Zoom these days, things like that. Um, it's a 1080p, uh, HD camera instead of the sev- 720p camera, better image quality. And it's supposed to have greatly improved audio. This is a la, these are laptop computers with six speaker audio systems with four tweeters and two woovers. Yeah. And um, and what Apple calls a three-mic studio-quality microphone array. So that's kind of interesting, too. Um, you know, everybody's using video conferencing these days. And, um, you know, the built-in microphone on a, on a computer typically doesn't sound all that great. So, obviously, Apple put some effort into um, uh Improving the audio, not only the speakers but also the microphone in the laptops.
0: Yeah, and you know another thing that um, this goes back to what you were talking about about the improvements to the screen. Um, what was it? A micro LED? Is that what they call it? I can't remember the the. Micro LED. Um, yeah. Um, it, it's got uh, it's got a huge number of LEDs instead of instead of just enough to illuminate the whole screen to the adequate level where the display itself will will. Um, Show the content that you're going to have on your screen. These are tiny little LEDs, but they're also controlled by the computer. And what they were able to do, and I did—I don't know if this is if this is something new, but the, the new laptops claim a one million to one um, brightness range, or contrast sure. range, or whatever it is, which is which is absolutely astounding. I mean, that's like practically being out. in in daylight you know where your shadows are as dark as they can be and your brights are as bright as they can be but so what what they do is they actually control the amount of of brightness coming out of the individual leds to go along with what's on the on the on the computer display instead of just having it be as black as it can get when the display turns black they actually dim down the leds in the dark areas to increase the the contrast which I didn't know they could even do that. That's just absolutely amazing. And that's all being controlled on that M1 system on a chip processor, which is. Exactly. Yeah. It, which yeah. is astounding to me. Yeah. It's pretty cool. And they brought out new AirPods.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. I knew, right. Exactly. The, the little AirPods that. Uh, that You see sticking the uh, sticking out of people's ears everywhere these days.
0: <laughs> and uh, one thing they did to them, that, which I was waiting for them to happen, you can they na- actually have, I don't know what they called it, but you can actually squeeze on the part that sticks out of your ear and control it. Like if you wanted to pause it or answer a phone call, <laughs> nice. it, it seems like that's a good improvement too. Yeah, so. and they're
1: supposed to sound better too.
0: Well, how could they not? I mean, they're the Just newest ones. Yeah, um, it's about 7.33, and you're tuned to KZYX, Philo, KZYZ, Willets and Ukiah. This is Point and Click Radio, the bi-weekly computer show. So far, maintaining technical excellence here on the air. I'm Bob Lawton with my radio partner, Jim Hyde. Um, and, um, well, I think let's we're going to... Let's
1: give gonna, out those phone numbers.
0: Yeah, let's give out the phone numbers. 895-2448, the studio line here to the Ukiah studio. But that's our... that's um, the um, studio line wherever you are, because it just, by the magic of technology, it routes it from Philo over to wherever the show is originating, including when it's over on the coast, 895-2448. That's the number to be on the air and point and click. And we apologize for last show two weeks ago when we couldn't take any phone calls because we had technical difficulties.
1: We're all yours now. Call us up. Got a question, a computer question, computer comment. Um, we are here. Phones are open. Yeah, you know, I, I read an interesting article um, about, the, um, about the new M1 chips and how um, Apple's semiconductor processor technology has actually moved ahead of Intel's right now. Um, Intel... Is one of the big things that they measure in the world of chips is um, is the distance between the components on the chip. Remember earlier in the show I mentioned that you know the shorter the distance, that enables a faster chip because it literally takes less time for those electrons to zip at the speed of light from one part of the chip to another. Um, the current limit of Apple's or of uh, Intel's um, chip technology is 10 nanometers. Which means there's 10 nanometers between each component. Um, and a nanometer is a billionth of a meter. So that's small.
0: That's you think really that be, small.
1: You'd think that would be small enough. Um, but um, Apple's semiconductor manufacturing partner, which is actually based in Taiwan, is down to seven nanometer technology.
0: Is that what it is, seven nanometers? Seven nanometers. Wow. That just means that they're can they they're saving 30% of the surface area of the chip when they're manufacturing it because you could get an equivalent um, yeah. equivalent uh, computing power on the silicon using 30% less space, or you could buy it conversely, you get 30% more functionality on the same size chip. Yeah. And it increases the speed and increases the number of components they can put on that. I just, my mind reels at trying to imagine how they actually engineer, design, uh, prototype, and produce these things. It's just, I mean, yeah. you could not build a mock-up of a 50 billion transistor computer with individual transistors you know okay. it would take 50 years to sit there soldering everything I mean, and it still wouldn't work because the the distance between the components would be too great it's it's amazing
1: the M1 Pro chip the slower quote unquote of the two new ones has 34 billion transistors and the M1 Max chip has 57 billion transistors
0: now, it, Jim, in those n- two new chips, and you know what, uh, with all the Apple rumor sites and all the guessing games and all the, uh, ru- you know, the uh, the leaks, supposedly, nobody saw this one coming. You know, they kept calling it the M1X, they were thinking, or, you know whatever apple came out with the m1 last fall they've named upgrades to their systems on a chip with an x to to indicate that it's a spiffier version people were saying they were going to come out with an m1x and maybe release some some pro level uh devices nobody saw the 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 two different versions uh, the two different flavors of their faster m1 chip the the pro and the max I, I yeah. hadn't heard any rumors about that, so that was a real surprise. But not only do they have the two, uh, two levels of, of professional level performance, they, don't they have different, um, amounts of memory they come? Isn't it just like, uh, you can get versions with m- m- like 16 or 32 or 64 gigabytes of memory for, for your RAM memory and also for video memory, don't they have, ones with just massive amounts of uh, video RAM for the graphics?
1: Yeah, I think they all have um, massive amounts of, of graphics memory. Um, the big differences between the price points is whether they have 16 gigabytes of RAM and a either 512 gigabyte or one terabyte solid-state drive. Um, and that's for the 14 uh, inch model. Um, The 1999 one is an 8-core CPU with a 14-core graphics processor, again, all on that one chip, 16 gigs of RAM, and a 512-gig solid-state drive. The 2499 version has a 10-core CPU and a 16-core GPU graphics chip, a graphics circuitry, um, and a 1-terabyte SSD storage drive. And it's similar in the uh, for the for the max versions. Um, you can get up to a thirty-two core, ten-core CPU, thirty-two-core GPU, thirty-two gigs of RAM, and a one terabyte SSD, which is kind of if you were able to go back in time ten years with that computer, people would think that you were. An alien from some superior civilization. Or
0: that you had a, a spare $100,000 to buy your setup with.
1: It's an inf- infinitely faster computer than a Cray supercomputer of 10 and 15 years ago. Um, yeah, $3,500 is a lot for a laptop. And most people, including your hosts, and including, I would venture to say, almost everyone who's listening to the show, does not need a kind of hardware that is in a $3,500 MacBook Pro. But there are people out there who do, (laughs) who are professional um, uh, photographers, um, videographers, people doing video editing, um, people who are doing 3D rendering and, and special effects rendering. All those awesome new Star Trek series that we're watching on Paramount+. Plus. Those kinds of Ultra high-end special effects rendering. Those are the kinds of things that these laptops can do when they're, well, even without it being attached to a giant monitor. But when they're attached to a giant monitor, they might as well be workstations. They just happen to be ones that you can, you know, uh, pop in your briefcase and, and take to take to the local coffee shop.
0: Yeah, that's amazing. Also, uh, compiling software, you know, if you're doing programming, if you have working with yeah. large programs, and you have to do what's called compiling, which is taking your, the keystroke code that you've entered and turning it into a efficient uh, bunch of software that can be installed and run on a computer. That also takes a lot of computing power. Anything that takes that kind of computing power or that kind of graphics power has now gotten um, an amazing boost.
1: Yeah, completely.
0: For Intel. What are they going to do? I wonder.
1: <laughs> well, this article I read said don't count them out yet, but um, but they can. Submit it, but it does say that it did quote an analyst saying they've lost the Mac. I mean, they're not going to. There isn't going to be a future Intel chip where um, you know Apple's going to say you know we're going to give up these Apple silicon chips and <laughs> and go back to the Intel camp. Yeah. They, um, they save a few hundred dollars on each computer by using chips of their own design and not having to buy processors from Intel. Of course, it costs them a bundle to also design chips like these. But yeah. once it's designed, it's designed. And then you save $300 or so on every computer, and that adds up to um, a pretty nice return on investment.
0: Especially since they didn't really jack up the prices of the equivalent machines. I mean, you were paying about that much for uh, those different tiers of, of uh Computers ten years ago, essentially. Of course, those were not yeah, in tw- not in it. twenty twenty one dollars. There, you know, and uh, which reminds me of your um, your update on the uh, pledge drive. Uh, didn't you say that the goal was uh, well that would they raised eighty five thousand dollars so far?
1: Correct, and the goal was a hundred thousand.
0: Right, but those are eighty five thousand twenty twenty one dollars. You know, ten years ago we were raising eighty five thousand dollars in a pledge drive and those were $20, $11. <laughs> Good point. Good point. So it's it, at
1: 2448 895-2448, 895-2448 to give us a call here at & Click Radio if you've got a computer question or a comment about the privacy stuff that we talked about at the beginning of the show, the new Apple toys, um, or a question or a problem that you might have with your computer. You can reach us at 895-2448. Meanwhile, in the Android phone world, um, there was a big news development uh, just uh, just today. Um, uh, no, yesterday. Apple, uh, Apple, Google <laughs> introduced new versions of its Pixel smartphones, the Pixel Six and the Pixel Six Pro. Um, they have, as you often see in every new release of a major new cell phone better cameras faster processors and um and 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 uh, overall performance features uh the pixel 6 has you know more 5g support which is a so limited value in this country right now because it is not really supported very well it's outside of um major urban areas and even then um, but the new cameras um, have um, uh, obviously better image quality and more kind of smart photography. There's kind of computational photography features that people talk about, that Apple talks about in the new iPhone, uh, the new iPhone cameras. Um, better, better, uh, better battery life using a, a chip that um, Google is a. Uh, A a chip of Google's own design. This is an interesting trend that we've seen in Apple, obviously, with the Apple Silicon chips that we've been talking about. Um, But Google has designed its own processor for the first time, and it uses a chip called the Tensor, T-E-N-S-O-R, the Tensor chip. And the intention there is to build more artificial intelligence smarts to allow those uh, things like speech recognition and real-time translation to happen right on the phone, um, as well as like high-end camera features like the ability to unblur the face of a person in motion. Um, so it's an interesting trend that we're seeing where in computer, historically, computer companies would go to a processor manufacturer for their main processor chips. A company like Intel or Motorola or AMD. But more and more um, with Apple and Google now, companies are starting to realize, you know, if we designed our own chips, we'd be able to really fine tune them to work with all the other hardware on the device and ultimately cut out that other uh, third party to be able to save some money on building each device.
0: Well, Steve Jobs used to call it making the whole widget, I think, something like that. <laughs> right. Right. Meaning that you, you, you uh, build your computer and the hardware to go with the software. You don't have Dell making a computer that then you have to load a Microsoft operating system on and hope that everything all works the way it's supposed to. Yeah. So it, it seems to be a trend. Hey, Jim, we have a call, believe it or not. <laughs> I'm going to go to the phones now and welcome our first caller of the evening. The number is 895 if you want to call into the show. Hi, caller. You're on the air. Hi. Hello. Um,
2: a couple of shows back, uh, Jim mentioned uh, upgrading his software. I think it was to Big Sur. I have a... Similar vintage computer, um, I think it's a 2017 uh, iMac, and he said it when he upgraded, it turned his machine into a brick. And I was wondering um, yep. if he could talk about that and and how he solved it because I'd like to upgrade.
1: Um, I have a the, the computer I'm using right now for this broadcast is a um, is an iMac that is a couple of years old. It's a, what is it, it's a 2017 iMac, and um, it has the Fusion drive in it, which is that weird combination of a hard drive and solid-state drive that Apple was building for a while. And what I have learned since my upgrade disaster was that Big Sur often does not get along with the Apple Fusion drives, and uh-huh. basically, what happened was I, I tried I, I tried upgrading to Big Sur on my iMac, and it was an epic crash. Um, the, <laughs> the, the, was, the, the The drive was corrupted such that the data was basically gone, um, and I had to install. There's a there's a routine that you can go through when you reboot a computer in recovery mode where you can actually download and install whatever operating system shipped on that original computer. Um, and it's some special, you know, hold down option while with your big toe, while, you know, yeah. pointing your nose toward apps.
2: That may corners. not be you a know, problem, because I ordered my computer with a, a solid-state drive.
0: So it's 100% solid-state?
2: Yeah. My, I paid the extra keep- couple bites. of hundred
0: we, you might be, you. Yeah, you might be in better shape for doing an a, um, uh, upgrade like that. What, uh, Two really
1: big important, important pieces of advice. One, do a full backup of your hard drive first. Um, use uh-huh. Alice's time machine if you have access to it. Um, use a yeah. backup program, use something on the cloud. Whatever you do, make a backup. Um, a piece of advice number two is before you do the upgrade itself before you start that installer reboot the computer just clear its head um you know it's just take the extra time to just choose that restart command in the apple menu and have it restart and then run the installer um that way any little processes that were going on, anything, any memory leaks or any other issues that might have uh, crept in because of the other programs you were using, um, that stuff gets cleared away. So it just kind of gives the computer a, a you know a fresh start before rebooting. Got it. For all you listeners out there, that is the, the, the two most important pieces of advice I can share when you're updating your operating system, whether it's a Mac or a Windows machine, back up first and then restart before, and then run the installer.
0: And and the uh, external USB um, or Thunderbolt uh, uh, connecting um, drives, both uh, regular spinning hard drives and solid state drives, are, are so inexpensive now. It makes sense to have at least a couple of full backups. I, and I would do. I, I would. Do. I would do an air and a spare. You know. <laughs> for. Uh, for the um, uh, if you're going to do a, a complete um, upgrade of your whole computer, uh, make sure you have two really good backups. Also, another thing a lot of people do is they'll use Apple's Time Machine for the standard incremental backup to make sure that it's uh, um, you know that it has all the sequence sequential uh, backup uh-huh. backups it has, and then they use a third party um, type of um, uh, uh, cloning uh, software that lets you actually clone a mirror uh, uh, version of, of your drive itself. You know, uh let's see, what are there, Jim? Can you remember carbon copy cloner? That's one of them. And
1: been, I think there's a, another backup program called chronosync on the, on the Apple side. Yeah. Chron, chron, like chronological chronosync. Um, yeah. This was, you know, I've been, because, you know, I, I I I don't want to lose the contents of my my drives. Um, I have been a very faithful backer-upper for years, and this was the first time that I had to start from scratch and format the drive and install the operating system, then update the operating system, and then I was able to restore it from my Time Machine backup. For some weird reason, there were a few files that Time Machine had not grabbed that were really important to me, and for that, I had my, I went to my cloud backup, which I use uh, something called iDrive, um, and I was able to go to the cloud backup and download that stuff. And I was basically, it was traumatic. It took a few hours of just, oh, I hope this works, I hope this works. Now I'm going to try updating this patch. But at the end of the day it all it all incredibly
0: work. You know, that's that's a really good point, Jim. If if you're some somebody like a f- professional photographer or a writer or you have a folder with, you know, your life's work on it, stuff that you really can't afford to lose, it doesn't hurt to have a cloud backup service like Dropbox or any of the other ones. And just get that folder up there so you know that, the, that it exists uh, somewhere separate and, and you can get to those individual files besides just, you know, backing up the, the whole content of your, of your computer hard drive. It makes sense to to make a separate side trip and back up the really valuable stuff that you just want to make sure you have it also doesn't hurt to put it on a um you know like a a 64 gigabyte thumb drive or something like that you know if it'll hold Uh all that stuff
2: that's a good idea yeah
0: yeah i i it's they're
2: they're so cheap these days
0: yeah and it makes sense to have you know to keep that stuff updated you know to um yeah. manually drag the files over when you finish working on a project or something like that, just to give yourself the peace of mind that there's extra copies of it around.
2: I use, I use Time Machine um, once a week. Uh-huh. And, and uh, you know, just back everything up once a week. I have a reminder on the computer to do that.
0: Um, You can also leave Time Machine hooked up uh, and leave your backup drive hooked up, and it'll back it up uh, hourly, you know, automatically all by itself. Anything that's changed, it'll automatically get um, uh, moved over. And the way Time Machine works is great because uh, if it starts to run out of space, uh, it just simply gets rid of the oldest versions. of. It won't get rid of of a unique file, but it will get rid of the older versions of sequentially uh, mm-hmm. backed up files.
2: If I was working on documents or, um, you know, doing a uh, long Photoshop sessions, I would, I, I would consider an hourly uh, backup like that. Um, but at this point I don't, I don't really need to to have it well, back up every hour.
1: And I'm, honestly, I, am kind of with you, caller. I use a more, yeah, for one thing, my backup drive is like a six terabyte drive and it's loud. It sounds like a little, oh. you know, it sounds like an oscillating fan on my desk. Um, so I yeah. don't like it turned on all the time. Um, and so much of my work anymore is all in the cloud. You know, my, for my work, I use the Google Suite, their Google Docs and do Google Sheet mm-hmm. stuff. My email is all, you know, IMAP, so that's the same on any of every computer. That's always backed up by default. Um, but there is still a lot of stuff like photo- like photos um, and, and that sort of thing that are, only, that are not necessarily on the cloud automatically except for my cloud backup. So for me, I will turn that oscillating fan of a hard drive on once, or, once a week or once every couple of weeks and run time machine. And then once that's done, I unmount the drive, you know, click the little eject triangle right.
2: and, the fu- right.
1: and then turn it off. And then I know mm-hmm. that I've got have a, got the, the the safety net of my cloud backup, and then I've got the whole time machine backup. That's usually never that much older than a few days or a week or so old.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, for me that works. yeah, I don't like I, I don't like the idea of a of the uh, spinning hard drives running continuously. Um, and I haven't uh, shelled out the money for a large solid state. Um,
0: backup they're, drives they're expensive oh yeah they are compared <laughs> they're, to uh, they're
2: coming down but not fast enough
0: no but you're right if you just spin up a, a, a rotating hard drive to make up the backup and then shut it down it's it's going to last a lot longer
2: yeah all right and thing, and, and, thank and you just, very much i appreciate you it thanks,
0: thanks for you, calling thank you for okay calling. bye-bye, bye-bye
1: always appreciate it when callers bring up the all-important topic of backup because there's one last important thing that we need to talk about here in fire and earthquake country, and that is having a backup that is off-site, having the backup that is not in your house in case the worst happens, whether it's um, a fire, an earthquake, a burglar, or even just a burst pipe in the bathroom upstairs, um, make a backup and put it someplace else. Some people will put it in the safe deposit, uh, depo- d- safety deposit box. Some people will just give it to a friend. Hey, can I keep this at your house? You know, Once a month, I'll give you a different one and it will swap it out. Um, that's also a good reason to use one of those cloud backup services like Dropbox or iDrive or Backblaze or um, uh, uh, what is the other one? Oh, there's a bunch of them.
0: Carbonite yeah. is one of them, I Carbonite. think. There's a ton of them, yeah. There are.
1: Um, But that's another good reason to use a a cloud backup service like that. Um, If you don't want to go that route, um, have a couple of hard drives. Give one to your neighbor. Give one to your friend. Give one to your kid. Someone who lives someplace else. Take it to work and put it in a drawer at work if you work in an office. And then every week or two or every month or whatever, take that one home. Use that one as your current backup and bring the other one there. Is that a little bit paranoid? Well, yeah. I don't think so precious stuff on it that you can lose because if you haven't had the kind of calamity that I had you will have it yes. you cannot use these devices without sometime in your life being being bitten by your computer suddenly turning into a paperweight and you don't want to have the you don't want to have that trauma combined with the nightmare of Everything that I had on there, all my photos of all my music, whatever, is gone.
0: I've even heard of people, you know, who wrote their term paper and went into their drive and thought they were deleting the draft version. Oh. (laughs) And they threw out the final version, you know and the draft version was not not updated at all really and you see the backup takes care of that because you can just go into your time machine or whatever windows has uh you know similar functions available go in and retrieve the backed up copy and at the worst you'll lose you know an hour